Chigoe, an only podcast series focusing on current matters in the Mi'kmaq community. Gwe, Akjalasi, Nindeluisi Sean Doak. Hello and welcome. My name is Sean Doak. I'm a proud member of the Lennox Island First Nation and communications officer with Olnuwe. Welcome to Jigue. I'm your host, and today I am fortunate to be joined by the Honorable Senator Brian Francis. We're going to be talking about the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and what this means for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people across the country. Welcome, Senator Francis, and thank you very much for your time today. I know you're busy, so I really appreciate you making the time to be here. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I guess to begin, for people who are just learning about the history of residential schools this year, what is the purpose of the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation? Well, the purpose of the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, firstly, is to honor the survivors and their families um, who had struggled you know, through the residential school era. Um, and I think the other important point is to educate Canadians on the true history of the residential schools as the true history wasn't told previously. So it's a, a learning um, type of thing as well. Mm-hmm. And there are many people who are just learning about this history that's been hidden this year with the recent discovery um, of the 215 Indigenous children in Kamloops that really kicked it off. How did the Day for National Truth and Reconciliation come to be? How did we arrive to have this day come to be? Well, uh, the day came to be because of the hard work and the uh, dedication of the survivors of the residential schools who um, went to court with the largest class action suit in Canadian history to have the government understand uh, the true you know, horrors of what they went through in the residential school process or residential school program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where it really started. And then um, Bill C-5 uh, was in, in, entered into the House of Commons uh, last fall. It stayed in committee for a long number of months. Um, we didn't think that would actually come to the Senate. We were fearful that the bill would die at the House of Commons. Um, but following the discovery of the, the remains of the young children in Kamloops, B.C., it seemed to expedite the process and have it come to the Senate. Mm-hmm. And I was honored and humbled to play a small part of getting that through the Senate um, to become law. And I know that, uh, yes, you had a, a instrumental part in, in sponsoring that. How does it feel to see the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation actually become federal legislation and soon to be provincially legislated here in Epiquit, otherwise known as Prince Edward Island? Well, it's very, very fulfilling for me to see that uh, go through and actually become a statutory holiday, not only in Canada, but in the province of Prince Edward Island as well, because it's a true uh, testament to what our survivors have gone through and, uh, you know, having told their story numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have some uh, recognition of that. Um, it's an actual statutory holiday. And I think the important thing with it is that um, it's not to be just another day off. You know, there should be events that lead up to the actual day. Mm-hmm. It will be a solemn day. It will be a day to acknowledge what has happened in the past. and. Equally as important, a day to learn together collectively and move forward collectively, um, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, in the true spirit of uh, meaningful reconciliation. The day will be significant for many reasons to many people. We know that. What does this day mean to you personally, in your role as a senator, but also as a member of the Mi'kmaq community and former chief? 
I think what it means to me is that, uh, you know, we are moving forward slowly but surely in terms of uh, a country, in terms of meaningful reconciliation. This is one small step. There are many others to, uh, you know, that we have to uh, cross over to. Um, and I think the important thing is to remember that, you know, as I always say, this is not a sprint, this is a marathon. Right. But we are all in it together. And it's not only federal, provincial, municipal governments, First Nation governments, it's general Canadians as well. It's families teaching their children. It's um, the education system, learning children at a young age what the real history was of the residential schools so that this type of thing never happens again in Canada. And what do you think this day means for Indigenous communities, residential school survivors, and those affected here in Epicwit, but also Canada? What do you think it means to them to see this day be recognized on a, on a national level and on a provincial level? I think it validates what they were saying all along, for sure, um, that they were saying the truths all along. And then to see it actually come into a holiday where there's commemoration, there's respect, there's acknowledgement. Um, for the harms that have gone on through the residential school system. I think it's a, um, you know, it, it's a day for them to have their, you know, stories validated. If there was a key message for the general public, what, what do you think it would be? I think the key message uh, that I would like to get out to the public is that, um, you know, we're all in this together. We all know the true history wasn't told properly. We have to unlearn the wrong history, learn the proper history, and acknowledge and accept what has happened, and then move forward in terms of true uh, commitment to collaboration, reconciliation, and that's how our country will move forward and be the great country that we know it is. It will take many years to repair damaged trust and relations between Indigenous people and governments, and we know this. Days like this are a chance to, you know, work towards that but what other opportunities outside of the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation um, can people take? I think it's important for all Canadians to educate themselves to learn the true history there's lots of resources out there um, that they can rely upon um, we need non-indigenous allies as well as indigenous allies to help us through this whole process of meaningful reconciliation and the more that people educate themselves um, the more they can do better and understand how we move forward together collaboratively. Mm -hmm. What does a good ally look like to you in, in your perspective, somebody who is trying to support and learn about First Nations history and issues? Well, a, a good ally is just that, one that wants to take the time to learn and walk along with us, you know, in terms of true reconciliation. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's a true ally. Mm -hmm. In terms of holding government accountable for, you know, these historical, tragic and horrific wrongdoings in the past, how can we, you know, move forward working with government but also holding government accountable at the same time? Well, I think it's something that it's just a work in progress, you know. Um, sometimes governments get it and sometimes they don't. But I think the important thing is that we do keep holding them accountable and, uh, you know, make decisions that benefit us as Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. The one thing I want to add, John, is yeah. that... Um, I'm very uh, appreciative and thankful for Dennis King and the government of PEI to take that step forward and, uh, you know, 
recognize uh, the holiday provincially as a statutory holiday beginning next year. Mm -hmm. uh, what better place to start than in the birthplace of the Confederation? Right. And the government stepped forward and is going to do that, so I commend them on that. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can just talk a little bit about that for a second. I mean, PEI is the first province in Canada to, you know, work towards declaring this uh, provincially statutory holiday. What does it mean to you to see that kind of relationship between a provincial government and the First Nations, which, you know, maybe doesn't exist uh, in other provinces or territories in Canada? Mm -hmm. I think we've been very fortunate in PEI. I know for sure when I was First Nation leader over the years, we always had a great relationship with our provincial government. And this is just one example here. Mm -hmm. they're, they're stepping up to the plate. They're leading by example and declaring it a statutory holiday next year so that we can continue to get the story out about the residential schools and do meaningful activities that lead up to the actual day, mm -hmm. um, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Residential schools have been swept under the rug for a long time uh, in the educational system. Do you think it's time that we start teaching our children um, in the actual education system, the public education system, about residential schools? Do you think that should be part of the curriculum? I think most definitely so, and I think the time to start it is right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to get to the young children so that they know the true story and can help us along this path of reconciliation. It's critical to get to them at a young age. Mm -hmm. I do many presentations at uh, elementary schools, high schools, universities, and uh, they're eager to learn. I think it's important that we give them the tools that they need to embark upon this journey with us. So in terms of education here in PEI um, on residential schools on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, um, what what opportunities do you see for the First Nations, for the province um, to collaborate, to work together, um, to kind of shed light on that, that fuller history that, that has been hidden for so long? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the opportunities certainly through the education system. I mean, there's no end to what you know, mm -hmm. uh, can happen through the education system um, with the First Nations working with the provincial government. And that's, that's how it has to happen through curriculum development that mm -hmm all grade levels. It should be mandatory that it is taught in, in all grade levels so that um, children are immersed in the true history right from day one and they progress through the school years to get a, a deeper uh, education up to residential schools as their school years go on. Right, so they grow up with that understanding. Yes. What do you think about the people outside of the education system, civil servants, people in private uh, organizations, not-for-profits, businesses? How can they um, take an opportunity to learn more? Where, where would there be an opportunity for them to, you know, in, in some, you know, provinces, they, they have made it, um, you know, in a goal to have uh, education, internal education with their, their civil servants or, or um, employees. What, what can people who are maybe not in the educational system, uh, how, how could they be more um, culturally aware and, and learning about this? Well, I think it's important that, for example, the provincial civil service uh, has information available to any employee that wants to to learn about uh, First Nations in general, even even not necessarily only the residential school process, but you know First Nations in general. I think that's mm -hmm. that's important, and it's almost incumbent because uh, when you look at some provincial employees, they serve or they have files that deal with First Nations, so they should be very aware of how First Nations operate and, you know, take that opportunity to learn all that they can learn to make them better equipped to help 
our First Nations. Mm -hmm. Going forward, I guess, what um, yourself and your role as a senator and a, and a Mi'kmaq community member, what do you see um, uh, going forward? Um, you know, this is the inaugural day for National Truth and Reconciliation, um, but what do you see yourself um, doing or, or working towards going forward? Um, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on any bills that come in to the Senate uh, with Indigenous lens on them to make sure that they're, um, you know, the way they should be. So I'll be examining whatever bills come in uh, in that respect mm -hmm. and just working uh, on the Indigenous file and also for all Prince Edward Islanders and Canadians. Yeah. And I, I wonder if I could get your take um, on being uh, an Indigenous senator, and I believe the, the first one from PEI, if that's correct, um, what's it like being an Indigenous person um, in, a, in a colonial institution um, serving as a senator for PEI? Well, it can be a little difficult by times, but other times it's a chance to, to reshape how, how the Senate looks or how the Senate views Indigenous issues and in Indigenous files, and I'm there to give my voice in that respect as or other Indigenous senators. Uh, there's roughly 10 or 11 of us there. Mm -hmm. um, we're certainly very busy with Indigenous issues. And, uh, you know, I think uh, in general, uh, all senators respect what we do and come to us because uh, some just don't know the true history either and they're anxious to learn. They don't want to do it properly. They want to be allies with us. So that's very important. That's, that's positive to me. And so that's how we move forward together. What do you see as some bigger challenges moving forward in your in your role as a senator um, with respect to Indigenous relations and issues? Well, I think uh, one of the big challenges right now uh, for the government is uh, when you look at our treaty rights not being honored the way that they should be honored. Uh, a right is a right in Canada, um, and you know the the federal government and Fisheries and Oceans haven't done a very good job at all in mm -hmm. implementing. Um, the Marshall decision and the moderate livelihood fishery. Yes. Uh, so I think that's a critical file moving forward and that one has to be done right to restore the lack of trust and the broken relationships with the Mi'kmaq people. Mm -hmm. And what do you see that the federal government um, needs to do to take action on implementing moderate livelihoods? What's missing? What are they, what are they not living up to or doing? Well, they, they, my opinion, they're not living up to uh, respect in the rights that we have. It simply comes down to that. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to uh, take the bull by the horns and, you know, respect mm -hmm. the right that we have. A right is a right in Canada. Mm -hmm. And in a future um, of reconciliation between Indigenous people and, and the wider kind of general uh, public in Canada, what do you hope to see um, for reconciliation? What do you hope that looks like in the future? Well, what I would hope for in the future for reconciliation is that our Indigenous people have equal seats at the table, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in this country, and that could be anywhere from government levels to, you know, uh, whatever. But uh, for us to have a meaningful place in Canada as Indigenous people, as First Nations people. Mm -hmm. It's so important to have Indigenous representation at the table and, and helping to make um, decisions that impact us ultimately. Absolutely, and it's important that uh, our people be at key positions, mm -hmm. you know, so that we can help guide, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the country forward. Right, enough of the top-down approach. Yes. Well, Alan, thank you, Senator Francis, once again, I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me, glad to be here. And Willalio, thank you to all those who are listening. Stay tuned for our next episode from Sitnogama, All My Relations. 
To find out more about Ulnui and the Mi'kmaq rights reconciliation process, visit ulnui.ca.